I love them. But it's hard sometimes finding the right gift. Isn't it hard? Year after year, you think, well, I gave them a shirt and tie last year. I gave them cufflinks. I gave them whatever it is. Sometimes it's hard thinking of a new gift. So you may, you may not be able to use that this year. Probably you already have your gift, and maybe you've even already given the gift. But tuck this away for next year. I've got some gift suggestions for you. Watch this. Ladies, do you enjoy receiving candles as gifts? Well, then think how much you'll enjoy giving them to that certain man in your life. Mandels has candles for all types of manly men. Are you looking for that ultimate gift? Something that just says, Dad? Try grilling out campfire and steak sauce. Is he having the guys over for the big game when the home smells too much like a woman? Don't worry. Light up one of our sport-themed mandels. Pigskin, new baseball glove, bowling alley, musty locker room. Don't know what to get the man who is admired for his manliness by other manly men? Never fear. Sweat Mandel is here. Men, it's time to say goodbye to the likes of Golden Spice Pear and Seaside Holiday. And say hello to Bait Shop, Red Meat, Wet Dog, Bacon Jalapeno Cheeseburger, Fear, Hardware Store, Charcoal, Peel Out, Mud, Fried Chicken, Leather. Mandels are scientifically engineered in our German laboratories by our professors of manology. Mandels are certified all natural, 1% wax and 99% testosterone. This offer is not valid in stores, so call now. Mandels, makers of manly man candles since 1907. Don't delay. Call now. <laughs> oh. I like it. Mandels. Bacon jalapeno cheeseburger. Isn't that good? Well, I actually didn't have any problem coming up with a few gifts for a few fathers here today that um, are going to be standouts in the crowd. I want to honor a few special fathers this morning. I want to find out who is the newest father. Let's start there. Who's the newest father in the room? If you have a child that is one year old or less, please stand. I, oh, 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 there we go. All right. How old is your child? Eight months? Seven months? Eleven months? We have a winner here today, folks. God bless. Enjoy chilies on us and happy Father's Day to you. All right, I like that. How about the oldest father in the room? Now, if you were here for 815, Uncle Bill, <laughs> uh, you already won. So he, he did win, so I'm going to exclude him. I'm glad you're still here, though. I wouldn't have wanted you to miss this service for anything. But uh, Uncle Bill won in the first service as the oldest father. He and another gentleman, 88 years of age. <clears throat> so let's find out who in this house is the oldest father. Everyone, all fathers 70 years of age and older, please stand. All fathers 70 years... 
and older. Wonderful. All right, and then we're going to eliminate you. All right, if you're 75 and older, remain standing. 75 and older, thank you for playing. 80, 80 years of age and older, please remain standing. Thank you for playing, and that does it right there. Brother Ray Wells, the oldest father. God bless you. We love you, and here is Cheesecake Factory on the church. Take your lovely bride out. Now let's find out who has the most children. Let's see who has the most children. And they don't all have to be present. All right? Sometimes I do. They all have to be here, but we're not going to do that today. If you have... Uh, Four kids or more, please stand. Five kids or more remain standing. Five kids or more. Six, six children or more. Seven. Elder Kalooh. Elder, how many children do you have, sir? Seven, nine, eight. You just lost a son, yes, last year. So we're going to count that, absolutely. God bless you, eight children. Praise the Lord. What'd I give him? Claim jumper? Enjoy claim jumper on the church right there. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless all of the fathers. We are going to get into the word of the Lord this morning, and I want you to turn to the gospel of Luke. Luke's gospel, chapter 8, Luke 8. I have some wonderful tips for all the dads today, straight from the word of God. I'm going to tell you how to be a great father. How many would like to know how to be a great father? All the dads? I'm going to lift both my hands because I need help. I need help. I desperately need help. Every year that my, my kids grow older and turn another year, I need help. It's new territory. I've never ventured here. I need help in how to be a great father. And that is what I once said of me when it's all said and done of all the things that are said. And I hope, I hope many things are said. And I, you should want the same thing. I hope they say he was a great father. And I believe that we actually can be. And I believe we'll find that in God's word today. Luke chapter 8. Are you there? Look at verse number 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. 
But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, she came up from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, somebody say immediately. The Bible says immediately her flow of blood stopped. Don't you love when God does it immediately? Oh, I wish he'd do it more often immediately. But he does still move immediately, touch immediately. Immediately the flow of blood stopped and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Well, Master... The multitudes are thronging you and pressing you and touching you. And, and then you're asking, who touched me? <laughs> Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him. And how she was healed immediately. Say immediately again. Immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, while he was still speaking, somebody came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, Jairus's house, and they said to him, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him and said, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. When he came into Jairus' house, he permitted no one to go in except for Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now, all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. So Jesus put them outside and took her by the hand and called her, saying, Little girl, rise up. Then her spirit returned, and she rose, said with me, Immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat, and her parents were astonished, and he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Father, we bow our hearts and heads, and we ask for you to do what only you can do through this word, this living and active word. Speak to us, change us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How to be a great father. Now, when we think of greatness and great men, let's widen the category just for a moment. Thinking of great men, what comes to your mind? Perhaps great leaders over time, kings who have kept the peace, kings who have conquered territories, presidents who have risen to the top and allowed God to use them. Great men. When I speak of great men in the category of presidents of the United States, who might come to your mind? I hear Ronald Reagan. I hear Abraham Lincoln. George Washington. Anyone else? Already been said, Abraham Lincoln. That's about the only three great ones we've had, I guess. No, not really, not at all. All have been great 
Kennedy in their own right and in their own way. It is not our job to tear down the presidents, and let me just say the current one even. It is our job to uphold them and pray for them. Do I believe in all the decisions that are being made? Absolutely not. That's why it's our job to pray for them. Praying that God would turn their hearts. Praying that God would speak to them. Praying that they would have a change of heart and a change of mind. I think our, our vocabulary and the words that we speak concerning our dignitaries, our presidents, our leadership is better served in prayer than in criticism. And I know not everybody likes to hear that, but I'm telling you I believe it to be the truth. Great men. Some think of great men and they think of generals who have come up through the military ranks and have, have led, have led uh, their, their, their followers and their soldiers into battle, conquering in war, rising victorious in battle. Some think of greatness and they think of our athletes, men who are counted great because they know how to handle a ball. Uh, I'll just tell you, I have a little bit of a problem with this one. I, I'm not saying uh, they're not to be um, commended for their athleticism and their, their athletic prowess and ability, but the money that they make and the, the uh, accolades and the worship even that they receive is out of balance in my opinion. We have people around the world starving and we're paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to our athletes. And let me just while I'm here and up on my soapbox <laughs> say this. We do the same thing with Hollywood. Actors who, who, because they can make us laugh, because they can make us cry, because they can strum a string in our spirit, Oh, we worship them. We'll go out of our way to go and see them and, and, and buy every picture that they make. And I don't get it. And pay them multi-millions of dollars. You see, greatness is a matter of perspective. The world's perspective is quite different than God's perspective. When God looks down and is looking for greatness in a man or in a father, his viewpoint is vastly different than ours. And dad, let me just tell you today, God is doing that right now. He's peering over heaven's balcony right now looking for a great man, looking for a great father. God's view of greatness is men who have come to faith in Christ Jesus. Do I have any great men in the house here? Oh, yes. God's view of greatness is men who have been faithful to their wives. Oh, I could talk about this for a long time. You want to be known as a great father, a great man? How about being faithful to your wife? Treating your wife as God intended you to treat your wife. And all the fathers said, come on, men. God's view of greatness is men who have been faithful and godly examples to their children. Dad, your children are watching every move that you make. Be sure to step wisely. Be sure to decide wisely. Greatness. I found greatness to be found in this faithful father in Luke chapter 8, Jairus. 
And there are a few things that I want to put into your hands that I believe will help you in your pursuit of greatness and how to be a great father. First of all, Jairus, I believe, was a great father because he did the greatest thing a father could do. Jairus did the greatest thing a father could possibly do. Look at verse number 41. Behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was the ruler of a synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. Dad, if you want to be great, the greatest thing you could ever possibly do is come to Jesus. That's the greatest thing any dad could ever hope to do is just, first of all, come to Jesus. The greatest step, the greatest decision is coming to Jesus. Now, remember, Jairus did not have to come to Jesus. The Bible's very clear in letting us know what Jairus did. Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. The synagogue is just another name for church, right? Does anybody else remember who the rulers of the synagogue were? Well, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Does anybody remember what the Pharisees and the Sadducees are most known for? They are the group that came against the Lord Jesus, plotting against Him, scheming against Him. And here is one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus. Not only did he not have to go to Jesus, he had every reason probably not to go to Jesus because they were against him. Here is a heretic. Here is a loose cannon speaking, speaking heresy, blasphemy. And Jairus says, well, I'm desperate and I've tried everything else. I'm going to go try this. See, word had gotten around that's why when Jairus came to him, he was already thronged, it says, pressed in on every side, just completely crowded with people. Jairus came to him, and I like how he came to him. The Bible says he fell at Jesus' feet. Dad, you want to be known as a great man, a great father? You need to humble yourself. It's time, Dad. Start humbling ourselves. You know, for some reason, we have this image to live up to, men in particular. We have to have it all together. We have to be strong at all costs and in, in every season of our life can never show any weakness. Who started that? I don't like it. It's not right. It's not biblical. Can't ever cry. Real men don't cry. I have a good theological word for that. Baloney. <laughs> B-A-L-O-L-O-G-N-A-L. Oh. You want to sing it for us? I believe real men do cry. I believe great fathers cry. I believe they are 
so secure in who they are in Christ that they are willing to be vulnerable. They're willing to let their family see them hurting and rejoicing and celebrating. All tears aren't about pain. I've cried many, many tears over being overwhelmed by God's presence and by God's goodness and God's blessing in my life. And I don't care who sees the tears stream down my face. He fell a ruler, a, a, a somebody who was known, somebody who had position, somebody who had authority, did not care what people thought, did not care what people were saying. He came to Jesus, he humbled himself, and he fell down at his feet. It's one of the greatest things, Dad, you could ever do is come humbly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, Jairus demonstrated the greatest example of a father's love. You see, when he came, he didn't come for himself. In verse number 42, it lets us know that he was coming because he had a daughter that was 12 years old. And she was dying. Wow. The greatest example of a father's love. Are you ready for this, Dad? It's talking to Jesus Amen. about your child. Amen. That's what he did. He loved his daughter so much that he talked to Jesus about his daughter. It wasn't about him. I suppose if you really peel all the layers back, that yes, there's part of it that was about him as the father and how it would hurt him. But I think far above that, this was about his daughter. I happen to have a 12-year-old daughter. I can't imagine my life without her. I can't imagine my life without any one of my three kids. Never mind the fourth one who I didn't get a hold. Already waiting for us in heaven. We miscarried our first child. Anybody ever miscarry a baby? Let me see your hand. You've got children waiting on you. I gave Pastor Moses a Father's Day gift earlier. And I told him, Happy Father's Day. He hasn't been able to hold his children but none, nonetheless, he's a dad today, in my, in my opinion. And he'll have children waiting on him. Can't imagine life without Elliot or Butler or Daisy. The greatest thing, one of the greatest things I could possibly do for my children is to pray for them. Amen. To come to Jesus and then talk to him about my kids. And that's what prayer is. Hello. <laughs> prayer is just talking to Jesus. It's talking to the Father. It's talking to the Holy Spirit. By the way, I talk to all three. I don't know how you do it. But I do. I talk to the Father, and I talk to the Holy Spirit, and I talk to Jesus. Amen. You ought to do that if you don't. If you're just stuck on Father, you ought to pray to the Holy Ghost. You ought to pray that the Holy Spirit would guide you and lead you and comfort you and convict you. But talk to them, Dad, about your children. 
Every day that you wake, every day that God gives you breath, you should be mentioning their name to the Father, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Praying for protection. Praying for provision. Praying for healing. Praying for direction. Don't let them go out into the world unclothed, but clothe them in prayer. We don't leave our house in the morning without gathering around as a family, joining hands and praying. And at least in the Bland household, we alternate who will lead out the prayer. So we'll all grow in our prayer time. We each have a day and we'll ask, all of us, does anybody have any prayer needs today? Anything special going on? Any tests going on? Of course, now we're in summer break and they're like going crazy and excited. But we're finding out on the day what's going on. How can, how can we as a family pray for you as a family member? And I'm astounded, quite honestly, church, how many believers just go out into the world naked, not clothed in prayer. And dad... As it goes for the dad, so it will go for the home. You're the leader. You're the priest of the home. You must set the standard. You must set the stage. Are you ready, Dad? One of the greatest things you could ever do for your child is to pray for them. Finally, Jairus faced the greatest test that a father could ever face. Jairus faced the greatest test of a father's faith. He came to Jesus because he, he had heard that Jesus was doing miraculous things. Maybe he came out of curiosity. Maybe he came out of desperation. No matter, he came to Jesus. He came for the right, right reason with the right heart. But in the middle of the process, he comes to Jesus, falls at his feet. Will you heal my daughter? Will you, come into my, will you come to my house? My daughter's dying. Jesus says, sure. So here, here we go, right? We're on our way. We're, we're heading to Jairus' house. And remember, the Bible says that he was thronged. He was just pressed on every side, just a crowd of people. I mean, can you imagine, though? The word is out. There's a crazy man in town. I mean, people who were blind are no longer blind. People who couldn't hear now can hear. Hands that were shriveled are all of a sudden able to work. There's mobility in the limbs. There's a crazy man in town. You've got to come see this. He's even saying he's the Messiah. He's saying he's the Son of God. You've got to come and see this. The whole town is out. Everybody in the city is coming. They're pressing in. They've got to see this guy. You've already seen him. Get out of my way. I want to see him. You get the picture? Pressing in on him. But he's got a job to do. There's an assignment. He's heading to Jairus' house. And all at once, Somebody presses in through the crowd that had no business being there anyway. She should not have been mingling with these people according to the law. She was unclean. She was bleeding and had been bleeding for 12 years. Very likely this was a female problem. And she could not stop the flow of blood. She was on her period. Can we just talk today, church? Y'all okay with this? 
I'm just telling you, this is what the Bible is talking about here. She's on her menstrual cycle. And it will not stop for 12 years, ladies. All the ladies said, God help her. (laughs) I see all these ladies shaking their head and holding their hearts. Well, good. I want you to get a picture of this. Spent all the money she had, the Bible says. Been to doctor after doctor after doctor. And she too hears about this madman, this miracle worker, this so-called son of God. And she's at her wit's end. She's desperate and she crawls through the crowd. Can't even, can't even get to him but barely touches the hem of his garment. And something happens on the inside of this woman. And she's miraculously healed. Set free from her infirmity. The blood flow, the Bible says, immediately stopped. Hallelujah. Oh, and we can rejoice over this woman. She's healed. Wow. Meanwhile, remember, there's an assignment. There's a, there's, a, there's a task at hand. We're going somewhere. We just happen to get distracted. We just happen to get delayed right here. We're not to Jairus' house yet. This was a pit stop. This wasn't even on the schedule. Or was it? They're rejoicing. She's rejoicing. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. You're free. You're healed. Somebody taps the the synagogue ruler on the shoulder and he says, "Uh, pastor, (laughs) rabbi, teacher, preacher, whatever, forget about it. Don't bother him anymore. Your daughter is dead. We're talking about the greatest test of one's faith, a father's faith. It doesn't get worse than death. How many have lost someone that you love? Mm-hmm. Very hard. It doesn't get worse than losing your child. I think of Tina here in the house and all that God has done in your, in your family and in your home. Not quite two years, I don't think, has it been? You know very well. Year and a half, I suppose. She lost her two-year-old son. And others in the room, I I know, it's very, very hard. It doesn't get worse than death. She's dead, the Bible says. And they're over here having this conversation, see. It's just the, the associate pastor and the pastor. Jairus and whoever's telling him, see. It's like Pastor Luke, Luke, sorry. You might as well get used to that. It's going to happen for a little bit. (laughs) Pastor Dave coming to me and just telling me, Pastor, uh, it's it's too late. But Jesus over here, he overheard their conversation. How many of y'all glad that Jesus overhears your conversation? Is anybody happy that Jesus can hear everything that goes on? Hallelujah. He overheard this conversation that was going over here in private. He said, hold on just a minute. Just have faith. Just keep on believing. Don't you dare stop believing. And he said, let's keep on going to the house. So they finally get to the house. And he says, well, I need some faith filled. 
I'm going to take Peter, James, and John. You're not going to find more faith-filled men than Peter, James, and John. They're the, they're the inner circle. They're the, they're the top three, right? Peter, James, and John, you come into the room with me. And of course, mom and dad, you can come in because, well, it's your child. So they go in and Peter, James, and John and mom and dad confirm she sure enough is dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they start ridiculing Jesus. You can see this in the scripture. It's all right there. I'm not making this up. Peter, James, and John should have known better. We might give it to mom and dad. They may not have known any better. Peter, James, and John should have known better. He kicked them all out of the room, said, get out of here. That's what it says. He sent them all out. And Jesus looked at this little girl and told her to get up, arise. And she lived. She lived. Dad, you might be facing the greatest test of your faith in your entire life. And you may think that Jesus has gotten distracted by doing something else. See this whole incident that happened right here with the woman with the issue of blood? I mean, Jairus could have said, that was my daughter's healing. Had you not interrupted our walk, Jesus would have got there on time and he would have healed her. You stole my daughter's healing. But what Jairus thought was a delay, what Jairus thought was a distraction, was all part of Jesus' plan to test his faith and to grow his faith. Dad, another, another element, an aspect of greatness is when the storms come, and they will. When the trials come, and they will. Will you stand? Or will you give in? Will you give up? Or will you say, I know that God is on my side, and if God be for me. Come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. If God be for me. Who can be against me? Let your roots go down deep. Just because you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus does not mean that you're going to live a perfect life without incident, without trial, without trouble and tribulation. In fact, the Bible's very clear. In this world, you will have tribulation. It's just... What are you going to do when your faith is tested? How to be a great father. Come to Jesus. Come humbly to Jesus. Talk to him every day. Pray. And especially, Dad, pray for your children. Pray for your kids. Cover them in prayer. Clothe them in prayer. And when the storms of life come, and the testing of your faith is unfolding, hold fast to the Master's hand. 
I want all the dads to come and join me at this altar area. All the fathers. Got quite a few, so just press on up so we can get everybody up here. Dad, I know it's probably not said enough, but you are appreciated and you are loved. And I want you to hear from me, if nobody else today, how thankful we are for your life and your example to your children. Your example to your children is actually an example to my children. So thank you. We believe in you. We hope in you. Mom, kids, family, friends, if we were to see with our physical eyes the load that they carry, we would be astounded. It's so much for a father especially to want to provide, bring home the bacon, right? Make sure that there's a home. We have things. Make sure that the wife and children are protected. It's a lot. It's a lot that a father carries. And it is a unique burden that only the father can carry. You'll never know the impact that you've made on your children's lives. I'm sure we've all made our fair share of mistakes in rearing our kids, perhaps. Don't let that stop you from being the greatest father you could be from this day forward. Because greatness is within your reach. You can have greatness and be known as a great father. Dad, I want you to lift up your hands. You know, Karen, I'm going to ask you if you don't mind, because I'm going to stand down here with the guys. I want you to come and just pray over these dads today. Pray for God's blessing and God's, God's wisdom. Why don't we all stand and just stretch our hands forth toward the dads here today. Lord, we just praise you this morning. God, I'm thankful that we have this yet another day, Lord, to come before you and give you the worship that you so deserve. God, as you look down today and see all of these men that have been blessed in this life to be fathers and to have families, God, I just, I pray today that you move upon their hearts and upon their minds, 
that you infuse them with your Holy Spirit so that as the Holy Spirit fills them, that the wisdom that they need to go day to day, Lord, is there for them. God, I ask a special blessing upon their lives and their hearts. God, for their children, for their wives, for their families, no matter what part of this journey that they find themselves on, God, I just ask that you continue to give them the wisdom and the direction that they need, that they can say that in this life they have been loved by those that you have given them and that they have done their very best to show their children that there's a heavenly father that loves them just as much and that there is an eternity that is waiting and that when we, re we meet together again, that they will be with the ones that you have entrusted them here. God, I thank you, especially for the men of La Palma and for those that you have blessed us with here, God. Today, continue to just walk with them silently to guide and to direct them and let them be blessed among their family. In your name I pray, amen. 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 So happy Father's Day. Remember, there is no service tonight. We are giving you a gift of time with Dad. Please don't squander that. Use it wisely. Seriously, enjoy your day with your dad. And fathers, dads, Karen and I have a gift for you. Please don't leave the church without letting us shake your hand and hug your neck and let me give you a gift. God bless everybody. Have a great, great day. Oh, Stephen. Yeah.